Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here. Again, we appreciate it. We have a really big show coming your way. Jonathan Turley at the bottom of the hour. How much legal peril is Andrew Cuomo in? Yeah, legal peril. According to the Wall Street Journal today, he could be in a lot of it, let alone political peril. We'll discuss that as well as maybe what we know about uh, what's going on with the president's uh, personal finances as well. We know his super PAC's got $75 million, but I'm not, I'm not sure you can use that for your own stuff. We'll talk about that, too. And uh, we'll see passing a grim milestone. 500,000 people lost their lives to the coronavirus. Uh, that is the most in the world. But there is great news on the horizon on that front. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The bottom line is Texas thought it could go at it alone and built a system that ignored climate change. It was not what's called resilient. And now Texas is paying the price. I hope they learn the lesson. Learn the lesson? What lesson? 2011, they should have insulated and winterized all their pipes. That's was the major problem. They didn't react quick enough. They didn't take the lead fast enough. Nothing to do with climate change, Chuck Schumer. Texas is still reeling after historic freeze. And the Green Gang gloats, as you just heard. But let's be clear. Uh, the answer is not the Paris climate change. Forget Paris. Number two. What the Trump strategy is, and it's basically that he's the presumptive 2024 nominee. He's going to go out there with a show of force. He's going to let everyone know that this is still his party and that Donald Trump is essentially the Republican Party. It's so hard to disaggregate the two. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, that's uh, Hans Nichols. He's a, a political insider, former Trump, uh, former President Trump. will speak at CPAC later this week. What do you want him to say? We will talk about the future of the party, which is so fractured. If they don't get it together soon, we'll miss a historic opportunity as a country to stop Joe Biden and the Democrats. Number one. Look, this has taken a tragic toll on the United States, but we should be optimistic in my view. I think we're going to continue to see infection rates decline into the spring and the summer. Um, right now, they're falling quite dramatically. I think these trends are likely to continue. Scott Gottlieb, who makes as much sense as anyone on this topic. Cases, deaths, hospitalizations rocketing down. Vaccine supply sites are soaring up. Many schools, though, still shut, about half of them. Businesses still restricted in way too many Democratic sta- states. Masks remain and may stay for a year. They keep moving the goalposts. What about 30 days to stop the spread? Now we got to get zero virus to get back up to our lives. And now we finally have curiosity on both sides of the aisle. With China, what did they know and why didn't they tell us? You're not going to believe it uh, when it comes to China. I'll handle that first. So uh, you'll see this this one guy. You probably didn't see uh, much of him. I read a lot about him. I've never met him personally. But um, his name is Matt Pottinger. And he has used to be stationed in Beijing for the Wall Street Journal. And then he started working in Homeland Security. And that's the position he had. He was all over this virus when it was happening, and he has some legitimate questions. 
and he knew this wasn't SARS. His people told him this wasn't SARS. The CDC here thought it wasn't SARS. But the problem is China didn't turn to their CDC to call our CDC. They went with the military. So even though—and by the way, I'm heartened by this. Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor to this president, sees China— and is demanding they give answers. How hard it'll work, I'm not sure. Listen to what Matt Pottinger said, former Deputy National Security Advisor, Cut 31. So the World Health Organization has said that COVID-19 was circulating in Wuhan, China, uh, in late 2019. Why didn't U.S. health officials or U.S. intelligence know earlier about this threat? Well, U.S. intelligence wasn't focused on these kinds of questions. They, they, they were relying on the CDC. The problem was the Chinese Communist Party did not turn to their CDC to deal with this crisis. They turned to their military. And our CDC did not have relations uh, established with the Chinese military. So the director of the Chinese CDC, based on public reporting, didn't know either. I mean, the Chinese CDC director did not know that this thing was circulating until the last day of December which is incredible when you think about that. So it looks like the Chinese CDC, to some extent, was cut out because the Chinese Communist Party turned to its military to try to cover this thing up, to try to contain it until it was too late. If I'm to believe that scenario, I would also like to know why we're still writing checks to the Wuhan lab. We are. Do you believe that? For them to do research for us. Why would we do that? Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, now uh, for Joe Biden. I like the fact that he's talking tough. I don't know how... Tough they're acting, though. Cut 28. We need a credible, open, transparent international investigation led by the World Health Organization. And they're about to come out with a report about the origins of the pandemic in Wuhan, China, uh, that we have questions about because we do not believe that China has made available sufficient original data into how this pandemic began to spread, uh, both in China and then eventually around the world. And, and we believe that both the WHO and China should step up on this matter. Yeah, I, we got to get to the bottom of it. A little it's- bit more urgency. Uh, so we'll discuss that. Now, uh, as I mentioned, 73% drop from September till today in overall cases. Hospitalizations uh, down uh, over 50%. There's only 53,000 people overall in hospitals across the country. They're not being overrun. Why do we not hear this good news? We should be going back to work and school. Look at Florida. Look at Texas. Beside the freeze, they were going back to school. They weren't without the virus. They were living with the virus, not hiding from the virus. But what drives me nuts is this new rescue package is going to hinge how much money you get on your unemployment. Now, who's going to have high unemployment? Democratic states to keep their states locked down, like California, like New York, 8 or 9%. They're going to get $50 billion. You know who's going to get screwed? The people who did the right thing, like South Dakota and Florida, they're not going to get a big handout because they were able to keep their tax revenue going. Believe it or not, California actually made more money in this terrible environment. They don't need a bailout. I mean, that's what's so maddening as we're set to write a $2 trillion check on money we don't have. But on this overall virus, where we're at right now is key. Here is Scott Gottlieb. Cut to. I don't really think we're ever going to reach true herd immunity. This isn't going to be like measles or smallpox where it just sort of goes away. COVID's going to continue to circulate at a low level. Um, hopefully we'll continue to vaccinate the vulnerable population so we'll protect them from hospitalizations or severe illness and dying from this. And that's what we're doing. What always blows me away is they can't answer simple questions. If you're a senior citizen listening to us right now and you got vaccinated, you even got your second shot, can you go see your grandkids? That should be an easy answer, right? But Anthony Fauci doesn't answer anything. 
ever, directly. And when he does, he says something, he'll walk it back and act like you did something wrong. So I thought that Dana Bash just asked a direct question about Anthony Fauci. And basically, she sounds like she was asking for her parents and about the progress that we're making. And now that the vaccine is out there for everyone. So um, here's here's what he said about seniors actually going back to see their grandkids, for example, because he says he isn't Uh, essentially. He did not want to answer the question. Cut, uh, not uncomfortable teachers, but about, where do we have, do we have that one? Well, I was hoping to get one. That one. I guess we don't. Um, well, here's, uh, here's what he said about the variant. Cut 17. The situation is not the case with the South African variant. Fortunately, that's not dominant at all in this country. However, the fact is that it does not protect, the vaccines do not protect as well against the acquisition of clinically apparent disease with the South African. It looks like it'll be pretty good in preventing severe disease leading to hospitalization and death, but it's only approximately about 50% effective in getting the prevention from any disease at all. So here's what he, he said. So he's all over the place on the variants. They're supposedly stopped with the variants of not a booster. That means a third shot. Fantastic. Now they don't even have to refrigerate it uh, in those depths, uh, the, that deep freeze, evidently, that Pfizer demanded. Now they don't seem to need it. Other people say that they're getting the same result from one shot as they do from two. So uh, Dana Bash asked this question. There's some confusion. What actually means for a person's lifestyle after they're vaccinated? I'll give you an example. Dana Bash of CNN says, my parents have already got their second dose. They're fully vaccinated. Does that mean it's okay for them to spend time with their grandchildren? The answer should be yes, because kids do not get it. And if they spread it, you have vaccinated grandparents. So if you feel comfortable with a vaccine that's 94% effective, which is better than polio and everything else you've taken your entire life, you should, your answer should be go see your grandkids, but not him. You know, he says, I'm not going to make a recommendation now, except to say that these are the things we really, really want to do. We're going to look at the data. We're going to look into the evolving of how many people get vaccinated, and there may be recommendations coming out soon. That's an unacceptable answer. Your grandparents got vaccinated. You should be able to go. Don't be ridiculous. What do these people get, incentives for screwing up people's lives? And then now with going back to school, why does he hesitate on going back to school? There should be no problem with going back to school. But listen to Anthony Fauci, because in his the administration now, he spends all his time covering for them as opposed to exposing Donald Trump because he didn't like what Trump was saying. So should you go back to school? Cut seven. What level of risk is an unvaccinated teacher taking uh, right now? Um, by going uh, into a reopened school? You know, Chuck, you cannot give a, a numerical figure to that. You can't say what is the ri- what is the, the risk. Give me a number. I mean, obviously, being in school is very similar to being in the community. So the risk of a, of a, of a teacher getting infected in the school is very likely very much similar to what you would see in the community. Okay. Why do you have a problem with saying the risks are the same 
but therefore you have an obligation to get into the school because it's absolutely essential to get our young people learning again some normalcy. 47% of students K-8 through are now going to school full-time. That is not enough. Only 33% of students 9 through 12. What about the high school kids? Come on. Teachers got to go back. If you are young and you go into the mall, you go into Costco, you go into Walmart, you go to get your hair cut, but you don't want to go into the classroom because of kids? What about an easy question? Should teachers be vaccinated before they go back to school? Cut nine. Clearly, we want to make the vaccination of teachers a high priority. They are within the essential personnel in society, and we want that priority to be high. What I have said, and I'll say it again today, it should not be a sine qua non. In other words, you cannot go into the school unless you're vaccinated. We're not saying that. So just say, go back to school. If you get vaccinated, we'll make you a priority, depending on what your state wants to do. Now, how about this question, which we get all the time? If you are pregnant, should you get the vaccination? How could you not have an answer to that yet? Cut 10. The issue is that pregnant women, we have not been formally tested in a trial for safety and efficacy. That is being done now. We will get an answer for it. However, following the EUA from both Moderna and Pfizer, thousands of women have elected to get vaccinated despite the fact that they're pregnant. Many of them were actually healthcare providers who felt that the risk of COVID on their pregnancy was far greater than the risk of the vaccine giving a deleterious effect. And as a matter of fact, right now, we don't see any red flag signals among those thousands of people who have gotten vaccinated while pregnant. Okay, that's a big deal. Number two, what if you're 17 and you're saying to yourself, I want to have a family someday? What do you mean you're going to get into schools and start vaccinating? Until you find out, these kids should be fully briefed that they probably shouldn't take it. I mean, and plus, these kids aren't at high risk. Chris Christie says, listen, this is all about teachers unions. Cut 14. The science tells us in the Journal of the American Medical Association that children and staff are less likely to be infected with COVID in the classroom than they are in their community by eightfold. Okay. So the science says get kids back in the classroom. The science says that our children have a higher suicide rate now. They have higher other mental health problems and drug abuse. The science tells us kids need to get out of home and get back into the classroom. And that's what Joe Biden was saying until Randy Weingarten and the AFT said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Well, he's then still the, saying he wants the majority of schools open well, here, but, right? Yeah, he's saying it, but, he's not, but he has a CDC person do the backflip of the century. Right. After she says it, he goes, well, she was only speaking for herself, even though the backdrop said CDC there. It's unbelievable. You're 78 years old, kids in school, your grandkids in school, they're probably in private school, so they're probably in school. You should just say very simply, listen, I understand unions got issues, but uh, all the Catholic schools are back. All the charter schools are back. There have been no big outbreaks for the public schools that are back. Get back to school. When we come back, you're going to hear from the teachers' union and so much more. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Then the legal trouble and perils of um, of Governor Cuomo and more. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care 
a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The Democrats, in their rules package this year, gave themselves a pass until April 1st. They don't have to go through regular standard order for anything. So the, the pressure's really on to pass a big bill like this before anyone can actually scrutinize it at the committee level. And mm-hmm. really, that's wrong. We should not do things that way. Congressman Michael Burgess is talking about the rescue package that's going to be jammed through the House today at $1.9 trillion. What I think you should understand is you might think that we need some more money. We have not spent the money that's in there. It has not been the $900 billion passed under Trump has not even worked its way through yet. The $129 billion, for example, for schools in this package, there's no demand to reopen schools in order to get the money. So they're just going to sit on it. It looks like they're going to keep that money from 2022 to 2028. Then I'm going to get it until then. $40 billion for higher education. They didn't spend the money they have already, and why do they deserve it? They keep these kids off campus. Meanwhile, uh, there's so much waste in this, it's stunning. $500 million for arts and humanities. Please tell me where the emergency is there, including Native American language preservation. Unbelievable. The CBO says it's going to add $246 billion uh, in increased unemployment because the supplemental of an extra $400 is going to keep people from reentering the workforce. Remember, we have six million open jobs right now. $86 billion to, uh, to rescue people's pensions in different states that are irresponsible when they cut their deals. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. They have have funding for a bridge that goes from New York to Canada. A bridge. They have funding for a subway in Northern California. Why is that? What does that have to do with this pandemic? 
Maria, Fox News Radio app in Boston. Hey, Maria. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Well, I'm just wondering, with all these task forces that, um, that take place, why doesn't Biden get together? You know, there's some school districts that the kids are back in school. There isn't a spread. Why don't they take those schools and get ideas on how they can reopen all schools, share the ideas so all of our kids can go back to school five days a week? What are you dealing with? Why aren't we doing that? Oh, you have kids at home? Um, um, I do, and they are in school t- uh, two days a week. They go on Mondays and they go on Thursdays, and then the rest is remote. And by the way, they, they should si- be back in school. Right. They don't do recess, and they separate the kids so much. Nothing is normal. They should be back every day, Maria, every day. There's no excuse for it. Hopefully these parents understand what they voted for when they got this group in there. 1-866-408-7669. Jonathan Turley next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think in some ways uh, he's going to begin to get a worse political situation because of the the levity that he had during the crisis itself. I'm not sure that Andrew Cuomo is going to survive this one. Survive meaning that he will have to resign and not serve his full term? Yeah, politically speaking, this is extremely damaging. Now, whether he can hold out uh, we'll see. But they're already talking about taking away his emergency powers in regards to COVID and, and basically rendering him impotent uh, as governor of New York, which, of course, is an amazing thing to consider right. when you consider his, his, where he was three months ago. Uh, well, we would, that was uh, Josh Holmes, and he was the former chief of staff. Uh, he was on with Fox News Sunday's Chris Wallace. He was the former chief of staff to Mitch McConnell. And we know the FBI, the Brooklyn U.S. Attorney's Office, has launched a probe into Cuomo uh, and is handling the COVID-19 task force. And did he actually ignore the Department of Justice under Donald Trump's request for information when it comes to these nursing homes? Now we have another state senator who came out and said that his administration gave people in nursing homes, so senior citizens, uh, a experimental drug without their permission, hydroxychloroquine mixed with uh, Zithromax or something uh, to that nature. But they, 50 of them got it without their permission. Michael Goodwin, excuse me, Jonathan Turley, Michael Goodwin next hour on this. But Jonathan Turley now, law professor, George Washington University uh, and Fox News contributor. Hey, Jonathan, I felt like Josh Holmes might have overstated a little bit, but is he in legal trouble? You know, I remain uh, skeptical. You, you know, I tend to be conservative when it comes to predictions of criminal prosecution, yeah. the bias of being a criminal defense attorney. I, I still see a lot of easy defenses for Cuomo to raise. As when we spoke last time, yeah, I think that the issue to watch is whether there is a clear example of uh, a false statement being made to investigators. But keep in mind, that would have to be made by Cuomo himself or directed by Cuomo for him to be actually uh, um, in line for a, a criminal charge. There are powerful defenses that protect uh, public officials, including what's called discretionary function uh, immunity, uh, which allows our leaders to be morons um, if we give them discretion to do it. Um, and it sort of puts it simply, you know, and things like uh, the Davidian compound and the, the raid on Waco. Most judges thought that Janet Reno was insane 
to have launched that attack on the Davidian compound, but they said she had discretion to make those decisions. So the question is, how many of these things were discretionary? And also, was there a clear false statement uh, yeah. or destruction of evidence? Um, and if there were, how many of those things were directed by Cuomo? We saw with Bridgegate, Chris Christie escaped any uh, criminal charge, even though his aides were charged. Right. Uh, this is the quote from the Wall Street Journal article. DeRosa, who is her assistant, is his assistant, who was on that Zoom call where she was apologizing to lawmakers for making their reelection awkward as opposed to the people that lost their lives. And a lot of Democrats were offended by that, including this congressman, this assemblyman, uh, Kim, who got a, an angry phone call from the governor after, which I don't think is illegal, but it, it's really dumb. Uh, DeRosa reported admissions indicate that Cuomo's administration's, administration's conduct wasn't merely negligent, but intentional and perhaps criminal. Numerous federal criminal statutes could apply. It's a crime to make false statements to a federal government. It's also a crime to conceal information, otherwise obstruct government investigations. New York may have engaged in a conspiracy to defraud the U.S. and its agencies and possibly obstruct justice, among other crimes. Is there anything is that enlightening to you? Well, no, those are all of the laws that one looks to. I just don't see the reason right now to assume that Cuomo has committed those particular crimes. Uh, once again, he'd have to do them uh, directly, the sort of Chris Christie issue. But keep in mind that state and federal governments withhold information for a myriad of reasons. They often withhold information from their legislative branches. Uh, and in terms of the federal government, this is a sort of give and take between the two. What I thought was really weak was when Cuomo said in a press conference, well, if you really wanted the information, why didn't you subpoena me? <laughs> well, that might be a viable criminal defense. It's a perfectly horrid political defense that I'm only going to share information on my failures if you hit me with an actual subpoena like some, uh, like, like some felonious you know, street criminal. I just I'm struck by the fact that an attorney general uh, like Letitia James would come out with a report that shows he underreported these deaths by 50 percent and points out a myriad of things that uh, they did egregiously wrong. She didn't call a press conference after it, but the but the numbers are just stunning. And the decision to put them back into nursing homes needs to be probed because a lot of people think there could have been a financial incentive to put them back as opposed to put them in a hospital. And he came out with a statement that the reason why they spread so quick was because people that work in nursing homes, they had it and brought it back in. Well, that's pretty – I mean, that, that's, there's no data on that. That's a hunch he's going with. Uh, and it's pretty insulting yeah. to a nursing home person, wouldn't you think? Well, there's a great deal of insulting aspects to the governor's defense. I, I think that while the case for criminal prosecution has yet to be made, because we just don't have any direct evidence to support that, uh, the case in terms of his political negligence is ample and obvious. Uh, there are people calling for his impeachment. Uh, this is a perfectly valid issue uh, to raise in terms of stripping his authority or even uh, impeaching him. Uh, you just have to make those standards. Uh, but the Democrats have been saying for years and reminding everyone you don't need an actual crime to impeach. The New York impeachment language parallels the federal language. It's only been used once to my knowledge, and that was around 1913, uh, to remove a governor named Salzer. Uh, but it, it, it is a possibility. Wow. Uh, Jonathan, today Merrick Garland 
is going to go start with his hearings to become the next attorney general. I imagine he's going to get it. But a couple of things I want to ask you about. Do you believe, are there indications to you that he will be, I hope he asked this, he'll continue or stop the, will he continue or stop the probe into Hunter Biden? We know he left that attorney, the Delaware attorney general who's doing the investigating. We know for sure the FBI is investigating. So will Merrick Garland, what do you think he'll say and what do you think he'll do? I think he's going to allow the investigation to run its course. You know, Bill Barr protected every investigation targeting Trump officials, the Trump campaign. Uh, A number of those actually produced criminal charges. Uh, He was good to his word that he made in his confirmation that he would protect the U.S. attorney's offices. I expect Garland will make the same pledge. Everything I know about him, I would trust that pledge. He is a person of integrity. It's also very hard to get this cat to walk backwards because Bill uh, Barr uh, made him a special counsel. So there's heavy lifting that would have to be done. And even if Garland was intending to do that, I think that uh, he would have second thoughts given what it would take. What do you think he'll do with the Durham probe? Well, I think that everyone, you know, it's so interesting because Durham, everyone keeps on talking as if they know what Durham is doing. The mainstream media reported months ago that Durham had found nothing, that he didn't even want to continue his investigation. And at the time, he said, well, that's odd, because he asked for criminal authority, went to a grand jury, secured a criminal plea, and he's clearly asking for assistance of the of Maine Justice to get evidence from foreign countries. That doesn't sound like a guy who's found nothing. Um, so, you know, eventually he's going to have to release this material. But the fact that it's taken so long, it uh, does indicate, as, as we've seen some reports, that he has found additional stuff. And indeed, we've seen stuff come out. One of the things that's maddening is when you hear apologists say, oh, this has all been investigated. Every week we have had new disclosures that are quite amazing. You know, just last week we had an email from Comey going to the director of national intelligence telling him that he should not – um, indicate that that CRISPR Steele was not reliable, and that he should change his language uh, because Steele is reliable. The FBI had already been informed that Steele was wrong about people like Carter Page, uh, that he had been terminated because he was viewed as unreliable as an asset. They had contradicted his sources and said that they might be, in fact, a form of Russian disinformation, that his main source appears to be a Russian agent. All of that was known to the FBI when Comey was encouraging a public statement that would at least reinforce Steele as a reliable source. That just came out. Yeah, and, and you got that came from out from Durham's people, right? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things Durham yeah. clearly has. And while he's unlikely to charge someone like Comey, um, I think that his report is going to be uh, really amazing. All right. Uh, so do, do you have any idea when that will be out and, and what Merrick Garland might have anything to do with that? Or is he just going to say, hey, uh, Durham, finish up? I think that's the correct answer that he needs to say. That's the answer that Bill Barr gave, not just to uh, Mueller, but to all these U.S. attorneys investigating the Trump campaign. He said, we got your back. Finish your work. 
So I got to bring you over to the Trump campaign. Excuse me, the Trump presidency. Uh, evidently, the attorney general's obsession with uh, the Trump's is going to really pick up, and it was a huge blow that just was handled to the president. Uh, their their uh, their uh, request to the Supreme Court to keep their taxes secret and from and from Cyrus Vance uh, has failed. It looks like the application uh, presented to Justice Breyer and referred to the court is denied. Um, now the former president has to turn over all his tax returns to prosecutors in New York. What could this mean? Well, I've always said that you know a lot of these pr- criminal theories uh, that have been advanced by so many experts on CNN and MSNBC, like uh, criminal incitement and the Georgia call – um, all those are very unlikely to succeed as criminal prosecution, certainly not on appeal. Um, I don't give much credence to those. What I've always said is that the greatest threat is tax and bank fraud. And the reason is that prosecutors love those crimes because they can simplify it for a jury. They could just say, if line 3F does not have this number, it's false. And it tends to be presented in very cut-and-dry terms. It makes it difficult for people like me on the defense side to combat. And so I've said for four years that his greatest threat is actually from stuff that occurred before he was president. Now, having said that, there is a selective prosecution issue here. It is very common, particularly in the real estate area, but common generally for businesses to overstate their assets and yeah. understate um, their value depending on tax or loan um, issues. Um, you know, there is a concern that this would be a, a selective prosecution case. Yeah, and of course, he would never gotten the scrutiny if he didn't run for president. And the IRS now taking another look because he's running for president and in a very liberal state that you got it's, it smells like politics all over it. And now he's going to have to go fight for this. I always thought that before. Anyone just talks about him getting reelected. It all depends on how we can avoid any of this criminal uh, prosecution first. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, keep in mind, yeah. the, these Democrats may be committing quite a blunder. If they bring charges on weak claims like criminal incitement, he could beat those in court, and any appeal would end before 2024. They could give him the biggest vindication he could possibly want before the next election. Good point. Uh, and they're going to do a thorough investigation now. I guess they're going to do something like a 9-11 South. Do you think that's going to happen? That's what I think the Merrick Garland's going to pledge. Well, I think they will, although I just ran a, a column in The Hill that, that talks about the other scandal of January uh, 6th. It's very interesting. The way that the impeachment was framed, it cut off inquiries as to the responsibility of Congress. And as I say in the piece, you know, if framing a scandal is an art form, then Nancy Pelosi is our resident Rembrandt. I mean, she, you know, by by pushing the impeachment, it drilled home this narrative that there's only one person yeah. who should be blamed for this, and that's Donald Trump. But we now have a lot of information that's quite troubling. With the head of the House, uh, the head of the security for the Capitol said that he requested National Guard troops six times before January 6th and was turned down six times. He said that the sergeant of arms in the House who works for Pelosi said the optics would not be good. Um, There's a lot of indications that the Congress made a conscious decision not to properly staff or support uh, the police. Now, that doesn't mean that they're responsible 
But I, I, the example I give is that Chuck Schumer recently said, this is our Pearl Harbor. And I thought that was sort of ironic because Pearl Harbor, as you know, still has lingering questions about the lack of preparation. Yeah. That we, were in fact, knew an attack was coming. Well, it appears that so did Congress. They were warned by agencies that violence was a possibility. But I will say this, Jonathan, to continue your analogy, uh, she might be Rembrandt. But if we do an investigation, we lose we leave her canvas and she no longer has control of the size of that canvas and she no longer has the brush. Correct. How dare you build on my metaphor? Have you no shame, sir? Yeah, but I thought you might correct me and say since the Democrats are in control in these committees, they might choose not to. But then no one would take their (laughs) would would take their investigation seriously. Well, I think the fact that she appointed General uh, Honor, who's who's who has made really outlandish statements against Republicans, he basically pronounced guilt within a day of the of the riot, and she selects him. It just indicates that this is managing a scandal rather than seeking answers. Right, uh, Jonathan. Thanks so much for making uh, uh, putting it in layman's terms again, Jonathan Turley. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, I get I get three bills. I, we covered three major topics today. Uh, again, that that news that Donald Trump has to turn over his tax returns to Cyrus Vance in New York not good for him. Uh, back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The bottom line is Texas thought it could go at it alone and built a system that ignored climate change. It was not what's called resilient. And now Texas is paying the price. I hope they learn the lesson. When we build power, when we build anything now, we have to take into account that climate change is real or people will be caught the way the people in Texas were. Listen, uh, climate change has nothing to do with Texas. Uh, the th- things are always different. You got Sometimes things get frozen. Sometimes you get hit by hurricanes. It looks like Texas was hit by a once-in-a-lifetime freeze. That was, uh, their, their infrastructure was unprepared for it. No one's making excuses for it. But just to declare, for example, during the four years where there were fires, they were blaming Donald Trump for fires in California. To think that something happens over hundreds of years, if indeed it is happening at all, and it's fires and they're going to blame it on somebody's two or three years in office is unthinkable. And essentially what they say is this. Uh, In 2011, they did a study and they said uh, the legislation said uh, they put together a bill that required the public unity mission to oversee the winterization of their infrastructure because the Texas grid couldn't survive a freeze. ERCOT didn't do it. So let's go to the phones right now. I can't see the phone calls. So uh, Rick in College Station. Hey, Rick. How do you do, Brian? It's great to hear your voice again. Uh, Listen, I am a scientist and engineer with expertise in power electronics, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see what's going on. But I'm disturbed that there's some things that no one's talking about, and that is the true cost of the solar and wind, who profits, the life of those in the Department of Energy orders who have mandated shutdown of fossil fuel plants in Texas. So, yeah, 
Uh, it's a great point. Uh, I don't know who these people are pushing this green agenda, but they're getting so much power in the Democratic Party. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, we have a big hour coming your way. Bjorn Lomborg will be with us, president of the Copenhagen Consensus. He's a visiting fellow with Hooper Institute out in uh, California, a uh, visiting fellow there. He also is the author of this book, False Alarm, How Climate Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the uh, Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. That's exactly we're in the middle of right now because this whole this whole democratic agenda is the green agenda. I don't know how this became such their thing. And then also you factor in what's happening in immigration, absolute disaster happening on our southern border at a time in which we're trying to stay six feet apart and you know, people are yelling at you if you don't have a mask on. But it's okay to come across our border with who knows who uh, demanding asylum, and now we're not even having the Remain in Mexico policy. It is, it is not so much a policy. This is not a policy to move America forward. It is a policy to hurt Americans. And I don't understand why they can get by with that. Michael Goodwin on that shortly. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The bottom line is Texas thought it could go at it alone and built a system that ignored climate change. It was not what's called resilient. And now Texas is paying the price. I hope they learned the lesson. It was, you know, they made a price because they didn't hook the grid up to the national grid. That's the only price they're paying. Uh, let's talk about it. Texas still reeling after historic freeze and Green Gang gloats. I'm talking about the Green Gang, that is, the Green Policy Gang. Let's be clear for an answer. Uh, we should not be going to the Paris climate change, that's for sure. Number two. What the Trump strategy is, and it's basically that he's the presumptive 2024 nominee. He's going to go out there with a show of force. He's going to let everyone know that this is still his party and that Donald Trump is essentially the Republican Party. It's so hard to disaggregate the two. Hans Nichols from Axios, former President Trump, will speak at CPAC later this week. And what do you want him to say? Well, he's going to say he's still in charge. He's going to say he's probably going to run again. But there are many people on the right who don't want him to. Michael Goodwin on that shortly. Number one. Look, this has taken a tragic toll on the United States, but we should be optimistic, in my view. I think we're going to continue to see infection rates decline into the spring and the summer. Um, right now, they're falling quite dramatically. I think these trends are likely to continue. How about 76% the overall cases in, since September? No one's talking about this. Cases, deaths, hospitalizations rocketing down. Vaccine supply and sites are soaring up and goals keep moving because Dr. Fauci said bend the curve in 30 days. Now he wants the virus totally eliminated. I'm not kidding. Why are we keeping schools closed? It makes no sense. Why are businesses still closed? Closed. It makes no sense. How do we all get our lives back? With us right now is Michael Goodwin, New York Post, Fox News contributor. Michael, welcome back. Good morning, Brian. Thank you. So first, uh, the president of the American Federation of Teachers Union spoke. Listen to what she said is the template that we should all use when it comes to opening up schools. A school system that's still closed. Cut six. What does full school opening mean? If you, have, if you do six feet of physical distancing, 
you're essentially saying in a school you're going to have you're going to have about 50% or 60% of people in there at any one time not 100%. So the issue really becomes do we have 30% more space do we have 30% more teachers what i think and, and the answer is you move them to gyms you move them to the band room that's what everyone else has done and look at who she salutes cut 5 there's no perfect solution but frankly i think that new york city has done a pr- a pretty good job in terms of showing the way big school district lots of issues in terms of of um uh, old buildings and we learned a lot from what new york city did in september and october is she nuts by keeping everything shut down by giving parents no notice and and just randomly shutting them down again that's what we learned well look uh, that is randy weingarten um she was for the long time ahead of the teachers union in new york city now she's ahead of the national union um she always makes it sound as though she's just asking for something reasonable the problem with her is you never get her to yes uh, she was involved very early in New York City this time uh, on behalf of teachers who did not want to go back to work under any condition. It was during her involvement that uh, they began to raise other issues. Oh, look, there's a piece of mold uh, on the corner of the gym. Oh, look, there might be a leak on the roof into the attic. I mean, it was that kind of nonsense that she was involved in. So you will never get to yes with Randy Weingarten. You will get all of these sounding, these ideas that sound as though they're reasonable, but the minute you solve that one, there will be another one. Because she is a quintessential uh, union leader, Brian, in that they protect the the least among them. So yeah. those who don't ever want to come back to work, uh, those are the ones the union is really focused on. They are not focused on the teachers who want to work. Yes. They are focused on protecting the teachers who don't want to come back. But the problem and is so it's that's not... That's the problem with yeah. unions in, in the municipal system. We're not talking about boarding a plane. We're talking about kids. Every day that goes by, they're being hurt. Anthony Fauci should know better. We watch him throw Trump under the bus whenever he could. And now he's bending over backwards for the president, the press secretary, and vice president, who all had mixed messages last week. Now, back to school. That's the answer. We all know it. Everybody says it's safer there. Now, Dante Fauci is struggling with this question. So, a very good job, uh, Dana Bash, following up. Uh, I think it's Dana Bash. Uh, Cut eight. Would you feel comfortable going into a classroom and teaching? Would I feel comfortable... um you know, it's tough because I've not been in that situation. I could tell you I have a daughter who I adore who is actually doing just that right now as we speak in a city far from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I understand the concern that people have, and that's the reason why we say, Chuck, you know, when you ask a question, a specific question, it, it, it's appropriate and it's understandable, but there are so many complicated issues, how the teachers feel, how the parents feel about it's just, is, she, is he crazy? Number one, it was, uh, it was obviously Chuck Todd, Meet the Press. It doesn't matter how the teachers feel. You have to make a decision with the best interest of the students. That should be it. And if his daughter is teaching there, and if, if the test showed you should be there, that should be his answer. Why does he never answer a question? 
Well, uh, I think he's trying to figure out what's convenient for him, what's good for him. Uh, I used to like Fauci. I used to trust him. But uh, he's now like a weather vane. Uh, He's got more positions than a weather vane. I mean, every day there's something new. And all he's doing at this point, I think, is adding to confusion. He's not bringing any clarity. And his answer there was a good example. But on everything from masks to social distancing to, to just, you know, uh, whether schools should be open, he's he stopped being clear and started becoming more and more some kind of a representative of a of a confusion electorate. I mean, I I just wish they'd stop sending him out. I, I I don't know what he's doing, why he's why everyone calls on him for an interview as though somehow he's some kind of uh, clairvoyant person about what we should be doing next. I think he's discredited himself. I think there's no question about. It. So if you are a senior, uh, Dana Bash asked him flat out, if you are a senior and got vaccinated with both shots, he is not sure if you could go see your grandkids. What do you mean you're not sure? It's 95% effective. If kids are going to spread it, you're not going to be able to get it. Kids, if they get it from you and you're a carrier, they're not going to get sick by it. Virtually no. It is worth the risk. No, this, this, here's the answer. Of course, there's going to be a small risk to anything. But I would feel good with, an, with a vaccine that's proven to be 94% effective visiting your grandkids after a year and a half. Or else don't waste my time getting me online to get a vaccine, right? Absolutely, Brian. I think I think there is a, a kind of disaster pornography associated with a lot of people on the left. And I think that's what Fauci is now reflecting, because it's a leftist administration he's working for. And, and you see all of these uh, terrible stories about uh you know that you, you you can't open this more people are going to die there's all of this fear and i just think that the, it's, it, when you read the media there are a lot of people invested in the disaster of this of of continuing the downbeat news uh all it, it's very odd the good news uh doesn't seem to make the cut anywhere but the fact yeah. that uh, in, uh infection rates are falling that hospitalizations are falling that deaths are falling. You have to almost read the fine print to find the good news. And I think that there are just too many people invested in keeping this to be a tragic story, a negative story, a downbeat story. Keep the economy closed. Keep the schools closed. Until when? Uh, when? When is it safe to reopen? As you say, when is it safe to hug your grandchildren? I mean, this has gotten, yes, we have to be careful, but do we have to live, let fear guide every decision we make that seems to be the new mo of these people well it's hard to get 1.9 trillion if you think things are getting better meanwhile yes. tax revenue is up in california and new york do you know that new york and california and illinois are going to be rewarded by getting free money which is taxpayer money on a deficit spending because their unemployment's the highest if you have the higher unemployment the more money you're going to get from the $1.9 trillion. And people like South Dakota's Christy Nome and Ron DeSantis in, in Florida are going to get less because they kept their states open and unemployment down. How does that make sense? Well, it makes sense to Democrats uh, because they are they are the believers that uh, you should get work you should get paid for not working. 
that that's the goal here is to make more and more people, I think, dependent on government. I shouldn't say it's the goal. I should say they're fine with that. They're fine with people being dependent on the government. Uh, you know, you see these these arbitrary decisions about restaurants. So, oh, they, you can't have indoor dining. Uh, oh, you can, okay, next week you can start indoor dining for 25%. You can start on Sunday. Okay, we'll make it Friday. Uh, okay, this week you can have 35%. But, but uh, I mean, these things are arbitrary. Is is there science between 25 and 35 percent? Is there science between Thursday and Sunday? I mean, all of these things are extremely arbitrary. And I think that the, they're all coming out of this fear factor. As long as you can keep people afraid, you can you can get them to pretty much do what you want and do the least thing. Mm-hmm. But that it just begins to feel less and less like science and more and more like like some um, arbitrary ideas that people in power have for how other people should behave. They, it's control. There's a kind of a control factor here that, that I think has almost nothing to do with science and everything to do with power. All right. So let's talk about uh, what you wrote about, and that's immigration. Uh, I cannot believe how obscene his immigration program is at a border, let alone in the middle of a pandemic. He's getting rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, which the Mexicans agreed to. We had people waiting for asylum, most of which don't belong here and will get rejected, but we don't have the judges, so they stayed there until they can have their cases heard. Because they were stuck in Mexico, less people came. And now, he said, ending that, little by little, each state is going to be forced to accept refugees staying in Mexico into our country. How does that make America better? Well, it doesn't. And uh, as you said, the Remain in Mexico program really was a great triumph by the Trump administration. Uh, It it tried for months and months to stem the caravan border, uh, the the caravan crossings uh, coming to the border. And it finally made an agreement with Mexico. Uh, Guatemala, I believe, also has a similar program where they basically will not let you pass through their northern borders. And so you, you had this various stop gaps along the way. In the end, there were some 25,000 now living in Mexico waiting for their hearings uh, that that were uh, given to them under the Trump administration. They could not enter the country without that, without the hearing. And so now when you let them come in pending a hearing, we know that the hearings can take years. We know that most of them will not show up because they were all likely to be turned down. They, They are not they're seeking asylum but they are not facing persecution it is an economic uh, issue for many people it is a gang violence and that sort of thing but they are not singled out because of their political or religious beliefs it's not that kind of situation that's what the asylum law is for if you make it for whoever comes gets in why wouldn't millions come they are i mean they're coming yes. And, and, and so what he has done, what Joe Biden has done, is extend an invitation to Central America. Come on up. Come on in. And they will. So why do I have to walk six feet from people? Why do we have to sit there and watch eight-year-olds on laptops? If you're just going to allow other people to march on our southern border without masks, without, we don't know who the hell they are, uh, without rapid tests, and you're going to put our border patrol in the line of fire who have families themselves— 
This, but well, see, I, this is not a policy. This is this is something just to blow up our southern border. This is to create chaos. He cannot be this stupid. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one to answer, Brian. Uh, maybe he is, or maybe it's somebody else in the administration. Maybe he doesn't know what's going on. I mean, it, it is. I agree with you. It is impossible to calculate yes. what is the logic behind this. Uh, I mean, you have to know that sooner or later these people are going to get vaccinations. Uh, the, the obvious logic is yep. there. Anybody in America should be vaccinated. And, of course, you, you will have uh, illegal uh, aliens uh, who will be eventually sent home um, <clears throat> getting vaccinations before many Americans. I mean, yeah. just that's the inevitable logic to what they're doing. Mike Goodwin, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right. You. Uh, listen, we gave you a lot to talk about. one 408 Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, the migration that we saw out of Syria for their civil war, which was uh, somewhat weather dependent, we're going to have 10 times as much migration because the equatorial areas will become unlivable. You won't be able to farm or uh, go outside uh, during the summer. The wildfires, the, you know, even the farming productivity in the south of the U.S., the droughts uh, will uh, reduce productivity very dramatically. And... You know, it's all a matter of degree. If we wait 10 more years, it's not as bad as if you wait 20 or you wait 30, because the temperature just keeps going up, and it's going up more rapidly than it has in natural history. But the instability overall uh, will be five times as many deaths. What's he talking about? It's gone up one degree in 100 years. I don't don't even know what uh, he's—because he he came up CEO of Microsoft— now, all of a sudden, we have to list. We're not going to be able to get out of our cars or our houses. Fox News Radio app is where Fox News app is where we have Cindy. Cindy's listening to us there in L.A. County. Hey, Cindy. Hi, um, Brian. Um, I'm a second grade teacher in L.A. County, um, not L.A. Unified. My district has been trying to get back to work and has been held back by that adjusted rate per hundred thousand, which you can't even find on the internet anywhere. Um, we go back to work this week. And 16 of my students um, are staying online, and 10 of them are coming back to the classroom for two and a half hours in the morning, and I will be teaching them simultaneously at the same time. Wow. How is this helping parents get back to work? I want my kids there all day, every day. Yeah, I mean, I, may, I have no idea what the reasoning is, but, I mean, those kids are going to want to get back to school, and my hope is they all get back. I have no idea why they'd even delay. Well, thanks so much for the call. Yeah, in L.A., they're having a... Uh, a zoom out. They're all just shutting it down today to protest the delay. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Tying ourselves to an agreement with China that doesn't have to comply until 2030, that's a developing nation under the United Nations Charter, doesn't seem to be a really good idea unless we can change that that paradigm with the Paris Accords. And that's uh, Michael McCall, Texas congressman, talking about the Paris. He says, I do think there's something going on with the climate, but I don't think the Paris Climate Accords is a way to do it. He says it makes no sense, uh, judging by what we're going to put our limitations to and what's going to do our economy. And while China does almost nothing except for buy new and make new coal plants, it is a joke. But that's what they're talking about in Texas, too. Uh, when they got hit by this unexpected freeze, they were, on, they were not ready because they were not, they had not insulated their pipes uh, and done a lot of the things that colder climates have done and colder states have done. Bjorn Lomborg joins us now, president of the Copenhagen Consensus, visiting fellow at Hoover Institute uh, and author of False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Cost Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. Bjorn, welcome back. Hey, Brian, it's good to be back. Well, uh, first off, on uh, people are saying this is a reason why we've got to get back to the climate, uh, Paris Accords. Do you agree? Well, look, there is a problem with global warming, and it is something we should fix. But I think, first of all, we need to get rid of a lot of this misinformation. I mean, people love to say everything you see is caused by climate change. So a lot of people were rushing to say, oh, this new cold wave in Texas uh, surprisingly, although you know it should be warming, uh, this is also caused by global warming. No, not everything is caused by global warming. Some problems are, and that's why we should fix it. The second thing is, look, we've got to be smart about this. We could easily spend tens or even hundreds of trillions of dollars and do very little to fix the climate. So unless we're smart, if we're panicked, we're very likely to do bad policies. If we are smart, we can actually fix this problem at a reasonably low cost. Right. Uh, so the Paris Accords, um, never submitted yes. to the Senate. That's not really your area. Um, probably wouldn't have gotten a majority there, let alone two-thirds. It will cost about $250 million, billion, a million in the GDP. It cost us 2.7 million jobs. China has, done no- has to do nothing until 2030. And gives off twice as much CO2 as us. It increased uh, emissions 15% since they signed it. And China has built three times as many coal plants as all other countries combined. And they have more coming online. These are our chief competitors. As much as I want to be conscientious yeah. and do the right thing, I also don't want to live in a world in which China dominates. Yeah. And I think you're, you're exactly right on. Uh, Paris Climate Court will do very little to fix the climate. And it will mostly do so by expensive action from the U.S., from Europe, from other rich countries. And that's doubly unsustainable because, as you just pointed out, very few people in the U.S. and elsewhere in the rich world are willing to pay lots of dollars to achieve very little environmental good. Remember, if everyone did everything they promised in the Paris Accord, it would reduce temperatures by the end of the century by about zero. 0.05 degrees Fahrenheit. So you wouldn't be able to measure the difference in 100 years or 80 years. That's not a good approach. And the reason why that is, is because it's really expensive to switch uh, to green energy right now. That's, of course, why China doesn't want to do it. And I understand that. The real point here is Americans are not very likely to want to do that either because they don't want to pay more at the, uh, at the petrol station or, or indeed for their power bills. 
So the way forward is not to push rich countries to do a little to feel good. It's about making sure we actually get much, much cheaper green energy in the future through green energy R&D. If we can innovate the price of new green energy down below fossil fuels, everyone will switch, both the Americans, but also the Chinese and the Indians. And of course, remember, there's 2 billion Africans coming up and hoping to become rich. They will also want to use fossil fuels unless there's a cheaper and better green energy alternative. Bjorn, the other thing is, I, I noticed too, that Ford's coming out with, they're not making any sedans that aren't electric. They're not, it's not a Ford, the government's not paying them to do that. They decided that they want to build electric car sedans. They're not really focusing on when it comes to trucks. That's the free market. They're answering the free market and a sudden interest in the, in, in Americans, it seems, that want electric cars. I'm much more comfortable with that formula. Hmm. And, and look, electric cars are probably going to be uh, the future for a large segment of the private transport. Uh, but remember, again, it is not going to cut very much carbon dioxide. So the main problem with global warming is that we emit a lot of CO2, and that is not going to be cut much by electric cars, certainly not before we have decarbonized our electricity. So when people are talking about, for instance, Biden wants to go back and spend upwards of $10,000 to subsidize people to buy electric cars, that is an incredibly expensive way of achieving very, very little. Again, what you should do, and you just alluded to that, we should have the private market build electric cars that are so cheap and effective that people want to buy them. But we should also recognize that it's probably only going to be some parts of people who are going to buy them, you know, people who have easy access to uh, chargers. So it'll have to be people who live in houses, uh, not in in apartments or in in cities. Uh, You also need to just have a limited need for your car so you don't have to you know, charge on, on, on your way and waste half or a full hour and so on. There's a lot of restrictions to this. But, yeah, electric cars are great ideas if they can sell, but not if you need to subsidize them with 7500 or maybe even $10,000, as Biden is suggesting. Right, and plus if you use, you use your electricity, like in Texas, how are you charging your car? Um well, yeah, you're good. Well, if you don't have it, of course, in Texas, but even if you do, you will very often be charging it with fossil fuel electricity. Now, it is still probably slightly better. Remember, the electric car uses a lot more energy in producing its battery. Uh, so you have to drive probably somewhere between 40 and, and 100,000 miles before you've actually earned that back. Wow. But the reality is you will probably in the long run save some or maybe even a lot of CO2, but it's very little compared to how much you're paying people uh, to try to switch over. Bjorn, Don't force right. the technology uh, transition. Bjorn Lomborg with us now, author of False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Cost Us Trillions. So Bill Gates said this yesterday, uh, the migration that we saw out of Syria uh, for their civil war, which was somewhat weather dependent, who's going to have, they're going to have 10 times as much migration because the equatorial areas will become unlivable. You will not be able to farm or go outside during the summer. Is that an overstatement? Um, I mean, I think it is, uh, and for two reasons. Uh, Partly, we do know that if we have the worst, worst worst-case outcome, it will get a lot hotter, especially in very hot – no, sorry, actually not, uh, but it will be especially important in very hot areas. But you should also recognize that most of these places are very, very poor right now. 
Once they get rich, they will obviously be much better able to handle this. Remember, for instance, Singapore is one of the hottest and most humid places on Earth, but they have 99% coverage of air conditioning because when you're rich, you can actually protect yourself and you live fine. And most of these places are not dependent on having to be outside farming, but what they do is they work in uh, right. services or industry. So again, yes, there is a problem, and Gates is absolutely right in pointing out this is a problem, but the idea that this is you know, something that's going to overwhelm us and hence we need to throw everything in the kitchen sink at it right now is actually detrimental in several different ways. First of all, the UN Climate Panel tells us that in 2070s, global warming will be equivalent to each one of us losing somewhere between 0.2 and 2% of our income. But remember, by then we'll be 364% as rich as we are today, according to their own predictions. So what they're really saying is instead of being 364% as rich, it will feel like we're only 356% as rich. Yes, that's a problem. No, it's not the end of the world. And yes, there are other things that we need to fix with this, and it will be worse for poor people. But of course, what that tells you is you should make sure those poor people stop being poor. And many of them will stop being poor because they get on board in the global economy, including using a lot of cheap available electricity, which will often be powered by fossil fuels right now. I got it. I want you to hear this. So every time we, you know, we see those wildfires in California, they will blaming on Donald Trump's policies. I mean, to think that wildfathers, wildfires are going to be blamed on a president is, to me, insane and then listen to Mayor Sylvester of Houston uh, talk about how Texas was hit by this unexpected freeze. At the same time, our system in Texas is designed primarily for the summer heat mm -hmm. and not necessarily for a winter event. The reality is climate change is real. It is real. And these major storms can happen at any time. The system needs to be weatherized. You need to maintain adequate reserve. Uh, we need to open up our Texas grid because right now we, we have a closed grid. We can't get generation from outside of the state because of our system. So I uh, thought in 2011 they came up with a study that showed that they needed to insulate and winterize their system for natural gas and, and different ways in oil and gas. So do you think yeah, global I mean, warming was part of this? No. Look, there's very little evidence to suggest this. And what you have to remember is all models, all, not most, but all climate models show that we're going to have fewer cold nights, fewer cold days because of global warming. It's simply not plausible to come out and say, but everything I don't like about cold is also because of global warming. Again, the mayor is right in saying global warming is a problem and we need to fix it. But it, this incessant belief that everything has to be coupled to global warming actually makes it a little bit of a shibboleth. It, it's more sort of a, a, a bogeyman than actually saying, look, this is a problem. And like many other problems, we fix it smartly. We fix it through innovation. Brian, let me just you know, think back to the 1950s. Uh, in Los Angeles, uh, for a variety of reasons, there was a terrible air pollution in Los Angeles. Most of it came from cars. The solution was not to tell everyone, I'm sorry, could you just stop driving and just start walking or taking a bike instead? The solution was a technological innovation. It was the catalytic converter invented in 1974. Uh, uh, and 
basically for a few hundred dollars, you could put that on your tailpipe and you could clean most of the emissions. That's why people can actually drive more, and it's much, much cleaner in Los Angeles today. Technology is what solves most of our problems, and we need to do the same thing. And incidentally, that's Bill Gates' point as well. We need to solve this problem through technology, not by telling people, I'm sorry, you have to do without, you have to eat less meat, you have to do all these things that are mostly just virtue signaling. Let me tell you what Chris Christie says. He says, right now, that no matter what you think, the former governor of New Jersey, of solar and wind, you can't store it. And if you are not, and if not using it, you can't. It's not going to supply the power that we need. So we need to look at gas, natural gas, as well as nuclear. He goes, we have to revisit nuclear. Where do you stand on that statement? Oh, absolutely. Look. There's a lot of potential solutions. The problem with nuclear is not what most people think, that it's not safe. It's it's tremendously safe compared to most other uh, technologies. What the problem is, is that most places right now, it's too costly if you try to build new nuclear power plants. But surely you should keep the old ones. It's just silly to uh, decommission them before their time. And you should also invest a lot more into fourth-generation nuclear, which is promising to be much cheaper and much safer. Now, of course, that's also what the other three generations promise. So we should be wary of it, but we should definitely allow this to be one of the possibilities that could power the 21st century. But Chris Christie is absolutely right when he points out when you have solar and you have wind, what do you have when the wind is not blowing and the sun is not shining? You have nothing. And, and, and just remember, people like to say, oh, we can just get batteries. Right now, the U.S. has enough batteries to store power for the U.S. for 14 seconds. So of course, we're going to you know, build that up. It might be you know, a minute in a couple yeah. of years. But that's not going to solve a problem where you need storage for days, mm-hmm. weeks, maybe even seasons. You need to get politics out of this, and people like you have to be in the middle of this. Bjorn Lomberg, uh, president of Copenhagen uh, Consensus, visiting fellow with Hoover, and pick up his book, False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. Bjorn, thanks so much. Hey, Brian. Good to talk to you. All right. When we come back, your turn, one 408 It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Have you spoken with the governor since Friday, when he had a very lengthy explanation of the timeline, and if not, do you accept his explanation that essentially the state created a void by not being as forthcoming as it should have been, but that there's essentially no scandal there? No, I have not spoken to him. No, I do not accept his explanation. There needs to be a full investigation. Thousands of lives were lost Families deserve answers. We need to get the whole truth here. We need to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. Yeah, the, the most ineffective mayor ever. Uh, we're talking about a governor who, by the way, uh, they hate each other. So they're looking at this. He's looking at it as an opportunity to gain. So Mayor de Blasio turns on Governor Cuomo. No surprise. This thing is getting bigger and bigger because it's Democrat versus Democrat. It makes me wonder if there's even more to know. 
More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, let's go build on de Blasio. The New York City is backtracking off the mayor's idiot plan to shut down the woman rink because the Trumps ran it. They shut it down, depriving New York City kids. About 250,000 of it has shot at playing in their leagues, skating, many of which are underprivileged in Manhattan. Uh, make no mistake, we will not be doing business with the Trump Organization. But going forward, they decide to reinstate did the uh, City Hall. So they will be skating to, uh, today, tomorrow, and through April. Yeah, even um, on Fox and Friends over the weekend, um, you guys had a mother and daughter talking about how removing hockey will be so um, detrimental to them. Yeah, so good thing is they they did switch it, and uh, they should also leave the uh, golf course right over the Whitestone Bridge. Mike Bloomberg asked Trump to help him out. He helps him out. Now you're going to get rid of him because he's a Republican and he's a president you didn't like? Next. She beat cancer at 10. Now she's said to be the youngest American in space. Haley Arginot, a physician assistant at St. Jude's Research Medical Hospital and childhood cancer survivor, second crew member for an all-civilian mission to space, expected to launch later this year. Arginot will be one of four people on SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket lifting off from Florida. That is it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. And they're apparently using it as a fundraiser as well for St. Jude's. They're auctioning off one of the seats, too. Well, that is so cool. It says, I did not ask, but I'm at, uh, I did not ask, am I going to get a passport stamp uh, for going to space? She said, but I don't think I'm going to. Uh, I'm just going to draw a star and a moon uh, on one of my passports. Uh, next, Disney Plus adds a negative depictions disclaimer to multiple episodes of The Muppet Show. Evidently, they have some references. Rather than take The Muppets off, they're just going to put up a full screen talking about how offensive it potentially could be. I mean, I guess that's the best answer you can hope for in today's day and age. Right. Uh, the findings suggested that joining a choir that could help fight age-related... All right. Never know. That's a different story. Um, they are basically doing something I'm somewhat surprised at. They're trying to keep the Muppets on. I did not know people still cared about the Muppets. You know what? If you sort of watched the old... They are still funny. Really? And, All I mean, right. it's also like a throwback to childhood. All right. Uh, as long as you don't get insulted, there'll be a disclaimer. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we have uh, a big hour coming your way. Brett Baer is going to be talking politics because we have uh, some news that came across over the weekend that was mentioned to me, but I couldn't get it confirmed. And uh, I only worked three days on radio last week, did not work television, so I could not... I didn't necessarily have a venue to do it, but it looks like Donald Trump will speak at CPAC this week, at which time he is probably going to go after his enemies, anyone who voted for impeachment, or Nikki Haley, who gave a hostile, uh, wrote a, uh, gave a hostile interview out to a magazine, or uh, he is also going to let people know that he's still in charge of the party, that according to Axios. So it'll be a blistering speech, and, and I told you so about Joe Biden, because think about this. Look what he's done on immigration. Look what he's done when it comes to spending, and look what he's done when it's come to energy. He has been the disaster that Donald Trump told us he would be, and he swore he wouldn't. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The bottom line is Texas thought it could go at it alone and built a system that ignored climate change. It was not what's called resilient. And now Texas is paying the price. I hope they learn the lesson. Please, nothing to do with climate change. Texas is still reeling after a historic freeze and green gang, the green gang gloats, as you just heard. But let's be clear for an, for an answer on this. It is Texas's fault that they didn't act in 2011, and the Paris Climate Accords is not the answer. Number two. What the Trump strategy is, and it's basically that he's the presumptive 2024 nominee. He's going to go out there with a show of force. He's going to let everyone know that this is still his party and that Donald Trump is essentially the Republican Party. It's so hard to disaggregate the two. True, I guess so. Hans Nichols uh, of Axios, former President, uh, former President Trump, will speak at CPAC. What do you want him to say? And what will he say? Uh, I tell you one thing, a, a poll just came out and makes him look as strong as ever with Republicans. Number one. Look, this has taken a tragic toll on the United States, but we should be optimistic, in my view. I think we're going to continue to see infection rates decline into the spring and the summer. Um, right now, they're falling quite dramatically. I think these trends are likely to continue. Yeah, I would think so. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, always right on the money. Cases, deaths, hospitalizations are rocketing down. I do not know why people are not reporting this and leading, this, leading their newscast with this. Vaccine supply and sites are soaring, 1.6 million a day, and likely to grow this week. Businesses are restricted. Still, masks remain still, and goalposts keep moving. And Dr. Fauci does not answer a single question from should pregnant women get vaccinated to after I'm vaccinated, can I go about my life? For example, if you're a senior, see your grandkids. He does not give answers. And that's where we'll begin. COVID 19 has been around for almost a complete year, and we were told to shut it down and bend the curve. And we know it went down and then it went up. And the bottom line is our schools got closed and about 50% have not opened up. Colleges are so restricted. They are basically robbing tuition money from people that just don't want to see their place get taken by somebody else. For example, if you go to Brown or Harvard. But you're not getting your money's worth. That's for certain. And now we see that more money is going to flow in. To replace what you may have lost. But a lot of this stuff is unnecessary. If you look at Florida, you look at Texas, uh, you look at uh, Nashville, you look at Tennessee, you see that North Carolina, you definitely look at South Dakota, North Dakota. It is possible to work our way through this. And being that the numbers are staggering, 73% decrease in the last six months, 50% decrease in the last two weeks of hospitalizations, as well as deaths, we're beating this thing. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, cut one. Look, this has taken a tragic toll on the United States, but we should be optimistic, in my view. I think we're going to continue to see infection rates decline into the spring and the summer. Um, Right now, they're falling quite dramatically. I think these trends are likely to continue. And he went on. As former FDA commissioner, he says, flat out, I'm with Pfizer. I get it. You might think I'm compromised, but I don't. I think the guy has always made a lot of sense. Cut two. I don't really think we're ever going to reach true herd immunity. This isn't going to be like measles or smallpox, where it just sort of goes away. COVID's going to continue to circulate at a low level. Um, Hopefully, we'll continue to vaccinate the vulnerable population so we'll protect them from hospitalizations or severe illness and dying from this. So it's always going to be around. But we bent the curve. We're living with it. I know most I'm seeing these parking lots and these malls are even though no one evidently likes retail anymore. They are packed in Florida. You know, I'm seeing that people are on the streets again, but they're not working like they should. They're certainly not going back to school like you would expect. So. 
when are we going to get back to normal? Why is that so hard to answer? When are we going to stop having to uh, wear masks? When are we going to get to the point where most people have a vaccine if they want a vaccine? I'm not sure, but Dr. Fauci was asked, and he has trouble answering any questions, including difficult, very specific ones, like, for example, with teens. I'm not really sure teens should get vaccinated. I mean, are you? 99.7% chance of survival? You're not sure the long-term effects of this? We just invented it? Cut 19. We are hoping that we will be able to. In fact, all of the studies right now from at least two companies are trying to get those uh, those individuals, those youngsters who are in that high school group, that hopefully by the time we get to the fall term, that they will be vaccinated. And that's why we're pushing on those studies to get them vaccinated. That will likely occur in the fall. Listen, private schools are doing it. They're back at school. Only 33% of grades 9 through 12 are back at school full-time in this country. 47% of students K through 8 are back in full-time. These kids are depressed. They're going backwards. Their A students are turning into C students. They're shutting down their cameras and just sitting there. The teachers got no way of really following up with them and demanding like they would if they were seeing them face-to-face. So when it comes to seniors... You know they're first in line, and I'm glad. And then they get their vaccine, and they want to get their, their lives back to normal. So that's the question that on State of the Union hosted by Dana Bash. That was brought up. Listen to the question. Can't wait for the answer. Well, my parents have already gotten their second dose. They're fully vaccinated. Does that mean it's okay for them to spend time with their grandchildren, who obviously have not been vaccinated? What's your recommendation? You know, I'm not going to make a recommendation now except to say that these are things that we really do. I mean, literally every day, Dano, we look at that. We look at the data. We look at what's evolving about how many people are getting vaccinated. And there will be recommendations coming out. I don't want to be making a recommendation now on public TV. We want to sit down with the team, take a look at that. And you will be seeing relaxation of some of the stringencies as more and more people get vaccinated. it, do you realize this is this is what we're saying? Is he worried about being sued? Very simple. You tell this is the answer, and I'm not a scientist, and I don't have his track record, right? I don't get a chance to jog every day and do seven interviews a day like he does. This is your answer. Right now, the vaccine is 94% effective. Right now, the chances of kids getting the virus and, and being falling seriously ill are 0.03%. So 99.6% chance if the senior is carrying the virus, the kid's going to get it and die. And there's, there's only a 6% chance of a kid giving it to you, being that you're night, you have a vaccine better than any other vaccine in your body. 99, 94% effective. That's better than polio, tuberculosis, whatever shots we get on a regular basis. That's your answer. So you have a little bit of risk. Next, another question. There's a little bit of risk. Don't worry. I don't think you're going to get sued. But let's say you don't want to make a universal statement. Just lay it out. But don't say, I don't have an answer. We're working it out. Because these people, seniors, need to be able to see their family. This isn't two weeks. This isn't two months. This is over a year. So it's the wrong message to send kids, stay home, look out. It's the wrong message as Ivy League schools tell kids you better not play sports and you better just learn from your laptop. And it's the wrong message to tell seniors, stay in your house. Don't see your family. Because there's a downside to it. Why does he ever say there's a down, psychological downside is too great in order to not to take that risk? But if you don't want to take that risk, that 6% chance that you're going to get the virus 
from somebody else when you leave your house and go to Costco or someone, then don't do it. But I'm just telling you, it's a small chance. So about teachers going back to school, listen to Randy Weingartner. The problem is the unions in public school. That's the reason why they're not going to California. Don't let anybody kid you. They put up CDC guidelines, heavily edited, I believe, by the President Biden administration, and which time the the restrictions are so great. There's not one school that would be open if you have to abide by all of these. So Randy Weingartner finally hopped on television as president of the American Federation of Teachers. And listen to who she uses as a template on how to do things right. Cut five. There's no perfect solution, but frankly, I think that New York City— has done a, pr- a pretty good job in terms of showing the way. Big school district, lots of issues in terms of, of um, uh, old buildings. And we learned a lot from what New York City did in September and October. What? What New York City did? They opened up barely. They shut down without any notice in the middle of a week. And they have, I think they open up in primary grades till eighth grade today. What New York City did, you don't learn do anything that New York City did. Do what they did and do the exact opposite. And they go, and one of the uh, analogies gives is, well, if the NFL can go back with their football teams, that's the way to do it. One team in 33 cities, 32 cities, that's a little bit different than thousands of schools across the country. One team, multi-billion-dollar franchises is a little different from an average school in a city that maybe has trouble keeping up with general maintenance and paying an extra janitor. But now you have tons of money pouring in, only $4 billion of which has been spent. you got $50 billion more that you're just going to look to piggy bank until 2028. There is so much wrong with this story. The problem is we're not doing an after-action report. We're in the middle of the lack-of-action report. Nobody's doing anything. And you have these people who are likable on television holding us back. And contradictory statements from the press secretary, the president, and the vice president. We need people to take control and just say, listen, uh, either move out and go to Florida where they, they care in Texas, which they let you live, even though there's risk. We have to stop with the shutdown. I thought when the election was over, President Biden would realize, now that I'm president, I might as well turn the economy around and stop pretending as if it's too dangerous to go to work and to go shopping and to go work out. But now he's still holding it back because he wants to, I believe— he wants to give a reason for the $1.9 trillion. If he says cases are down, hospitalizations down, deaths are down, how does he get this ridiculous sum of money? He doesn't. So please don't buy into it. You might say to yourself, I just need that $14 check, and maybe you need it, or maybe you want to put it in savings. Most people are putting it in savings. But I do not want to finance a bridge to Canada, which is what they're doing from New York to Canada. I don't want to finance a tunnel, a subway in San Francisco. That's what they're doing. I don't want to finance $100 million for the arts that include preserving languages of Native Americans. Please tell me where that urgency is. I'll go over more of that in a second, but I do want to take some calls. one 408 And with Brett, I'm going to go into what the president's likely going to be speaking about at CPAC, as most people I'm waiting to see what the president's going to say, because without Twitter and Facebook, we can only hear reports of confidence by him. Soon we're going to hear from him. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Big day. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I think every state is going to have to be moving in that direction. And uh, um, it's, it demonstrates that it does bend that curve a little bit. It does increase the prospects that fewer people are going to catch the virus. And the answer is, I, I, I don't fully know. We've been leaving it to the governors. Thank God the governors have been moving. Your governor in New York's done one hell of a job. He, I think he's, he's sort of the gold standard. He is so not the gold standard. Please. Cuomo, the gold standard. We lead the nation in deaths and cases. And you saw what happened with the nursing home and everything shut down. If that's the gold standard, it makes me double and triple down and just regret that he ever got elected. Uh, And I could not be more disappointed with his start. And the worst, of course, is schools. Eric knows that. He's listening in New Jersey, WPGG. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. How you doing, buddy? Good. How's it going for you guys in Jersey? Well, oh, we're good here in yeah. Margate. Uh, we have two public schools here. that be, They've been open since September, and the kids are going five days a week. They cut back on a couple of their programs, so they go 8 to 12, 15, and then they're home. But they haven't had any real problems. The only issue was, like, one of the parents got COVID, and so they told one of the kids, if any of the kids were hanging around them, you guys stay home for 10 days, and they were all back, and nobody got sick. So schools, schools are open here in Margate, but two towns over in Atlantic City, they, they're still closed they've been closed so you know uh, i don't know what to say you know but i don't think there's a problem in the schools they should get these kids back absolutely it's, it's the most detrimental thing going on right now what you do is you spell it out to the parents you spell it out to the teachers and say do you tell me where you stand because i need to know uh how many are staying home how many are going to school and how many teachers i need and if somebody has uh, comorbidities, they have something wrong, maybe they stay home and have a teacher assistant come in and run your class, and you could kind of monitor it on Zoom. But that's what that's what that's what this life's about now. Hey, I got I got to work in the mall. What do I got to do? I, I I have to have a line outside uh, Lululemon because I can't have too many people on the inside. But you don't close the store. You know, you you wear masks on the floor, but I'm not going to require in Florida maybe your customers to do it. That's what happens. But when it comes to school, just shutting down. All the other stuff is jobs and inconvenience. But for kids, you have to tell people it is an emergency to get them back. They're going into massive depressions and the suicides are rising. Peggy, listening on FM News Talk 97.1 in St. Louis. Peggy. Hi, Brian. I just wanted to comment on the schools and the previous uh, clip you played where that she's calling out New York. We have had – we have a unique situation in St. Louis with all these Catholic schools. Yeah. We have opened K through 8. Since August, no problems. And there was an op-ed and an article in the Wall Street Journal this month, I think, about the Catholic schools leading the way across the nation. I mean, there are people to look to that are doing this and showing that it's safe, and they're just ignoring us. I know. It's and crazy. We have, a waiting, we have a waiting list at all these parochial schools, and these are not religious—you know, this isn't about religion. This is about getting their kids out of the indoctrination of these public schools, and these teachers— in public, in um, Catholic schools, have no union. They get paid probably thirty percent less, less yeah. and they're all showing up and doing what's right for the kids. Peggy, I mean, do you mind if I ask you how much you're paying a year? Uh, well, we pay. Well, if you're out of parish at ours, it's five hundred dollars a month. 
okay. which is less than our taxes. Okay. And we're in a suburb called Ladue, which is, if you Google it, one of the best in the nation. Our school district is got great records, all this stuff. They are open. They opened in October, November, but they're limited hours. And it is, I, I get blasted for this in my community, but it is the teachers' union. It really is. And our teachers are great. I just think they follow, in the public schools, they're great. We were there for a while and we left. Um not because of COVID, but because of ed- academics. But um, yeah, the schools are—I hate to say it—but the Catholic schools are better. And Peggy, um, here, here's something else I'd add: they used to have to recruit you guys, have an open house, and try to convince people to go to the private way. Now they're not yeah. going to have to do that. They're no. gonna, you know, and because you're, you're sitting there and you're talking to another parent whose kid is not in school, and you see the difference in their behavior, and you say, "I'm not going to take this risk again. I'm not going to yeah. wait for another spike and have my kid stay home on a laptop. It's not or a Chromebook." Uh, it's not going to happen. 100%, 100%. And I'll tell you, it is not because we're ignoring these um, warnings. Our principal at our particular school talks to the county a couple times a week. She's, you know, really vigilant about all of the sanitary stuff. The kids of are course. wearing masks. And kids get all in on it. And they know the worst. The scenario is if it doesn't work, they stay home. So then they take ownership. Thanks, Peggy. I enjoy the real-life stories, especially for parents so involved like you. When we come back, I'm going to go into, is this still Donald Trump's Republican Party? And what happens to people that cross him? Two did this weekend. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. To be clear, Antifa, there's no evidence that Antifa was behind the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Not even President Trump is arguing that. We found in this poll that by by almost two to one, Republicans who would leave for a third party would go with the Trump party over the Republican party. But there is no need for Donald Trump to do that because he already owns this party. He does. That's Susan Page, uh, a constant guest on on Special Report with Brett Baer. Uh, 46% of the party said they would leave if Trump left the party. 58% of Trump supporters said January 6th, uh, Antifa was behind it. Uh, and you know, 10 p- members of their party were censored for voting for impeachment and of just overall against Donald Trump. Uh, Brett Baer, chief political anchor for Fox News, anchor Special Report. Brett, are you surprised the president still has this pop, uh, power and popularity? Um, that's a good question. Am I surprised? You no, have never been stumped by think, anything I've asked you before. Is this yeah, the first I know, time? I don't think I'm surprised. I, I think I knew that there is this part of the party that is um, even not necessarily the personality of Donald Trump, but the policies of Donald Trump. Um, I guess I'm surprised at that first stat about the Antifa thing. I think we've been around the block here about how many arrests have been made and who yeah. they are and it's not antifa um so that's a little surprising um the other part is i think we're going to see a lot about donald trump's uh, future on sunday at cpac in orlando what do you expect that speech to be like um ski steve scalise weighed in cut 39 it was actually good to catch up with him i i, I noticed he was a lot more relaxed than uh, then his four years in the White House, who still cares a lot about this country and the direction of our country. 
but you know, it was a conversation more about how he's doing now and what he's, uh, you know, what he's planning on doing and how his family is doing. And the word is that Axios uh, is reporting that you know he's going to make it clear that it's still his party and he's looking to run. Yeah, and whether he actually does or just kind of feigns that he's running, uh, either way, kind of sees a lot of the field um, ahead of 2024. We have a long way to go, obviously, but um, I, I do think he's going to—it's going to be a lot of "I told you so" and here's what Biden's doing wrong. Um, and the question is whether he relives, you know, his election charges uh, that have largely been debunked entirely. So I, I don't know what that speech is going to look like, but I'm sure it'll be ver- um, vintage Donald Trump. And um, the question for the party is, you know, can you hat tip to Trump supporters, use the policy, but not the guy? Um, I think there are real questions about, you know, Donald Trump as a, a candidate. Uh, he's obviously facing a number of legal challenges, including a decision today by the U.S. Supreme Court to allow um, the district attorney in, in New York to go after his tax returns. And that will happen right away. Um, and, and that happened that during our show. Yeah. We don't know. Just today, just during our show today. So I want yeah. you to hear what Governor Asa Hutchinson is mild and He's a true conservative, but very mild guy. He's not looking to create waves, but he was asked directly about his support for President Trump in 2024. Cut 36. I would not support him for re-election in 2024. Uh, He's going to have a voice, but uh, as uh, former presidents do, but there's many voices in the party. And again, uh, he should not define our future. We've got to define it for ourselves, and that has to be based upon the principles that really gave us the strength in America. We've got to respond to the people that like Trump. We've got to respond and identify with the issues that gave him uh, the first election and gave him support throughout his uh, presidency. You surprised by that? And does, does that? How much does that matter? A successful governor of every Republican state. Well, it's it's a canary in the coal mine, if you would, uh, for. Uh, you know, the Donald Trump supporters. Ace Hutchinson was always a kind of uh, Trump friendly. He was never a total endorser, uh, but he, you know, in a state like Arkansas, uh, that, that's, you know, he's speaking his mind. And I think that's where some of the party is, which is what I said a hat tip to the policies, but not to the person. And I think CPAC will be fascinating. Uh, he's going to get rock star status. I mean, there's people who have yearned for him to be on Twitter, you know, um, just because we've been for days and weeks and months and years been accustomed to him tweeting out his every thought. Now that's been a kind of open void. And now you're going to hear him for the first time uh, in long format. Yeah, I just want you to hear also this. This had to be a blow. I mean, Will Hurt, a CIA guy who decided not to run anymore in Texas, Cup 45. What role should former President Trump have in the future of the Republican Party, or should he not have a role? I think very little, little if none at all. Um, you know, this is a, a president that lost the, the, the House, the Senate, the White House in four years. I think the last person to do that was, was Herbert Hoover, and that was in, in, the, in the Great Depression. And, you know, when you look at, in the 2020 election, the number of Republicans that were successful significantly outperformed uh, President Trump. So so I'm just listening to this. The president's getting a longer list of people to go after. He's got 10 in the House, 
a few in the Senate that voted to impeach him, right? Seven in the Senate. Right. And I think that's going to be part of the speech is is going after, you know, primarying uh, some of those people and, uh, you know, payback. That's how he's operated in the past. I assume that's how he's going to operate. But Will Hurd, that's not surprising. He stood up in Congress and said much the same thing, um, you know, when his party was, was in lockstep with President Trump on pretty much every issue. Um, so I, I think that there will be more voices like that. And the question is, the more Trumpy voices, if they stand up and say, no, we like your policy, we respect you, President Trump, but you're not the guy, um, if that starts happening, you know, it'll be a big change. And the one thing that was significant, too, Nikki Haley kind of blistered him, said the president let all of us down on January 6th. The next week, she writes an editorial basically denouncing herself for saying it or just re-clarifying. She blamed the media for misconstruing what she said and then asked for a meeting with the president because, uh, Brett, in a time in which there's people like former Secretary of State Pompeo, there's Tom Cotton, uh, there's Christy Noem, uh, off the just time, there's Ron DeSantis, who are very tight with the president. You can't afford to split with them and try to get the nomination. That's still a fact. That is true. But remember Tom Cotton, he kind of, you know, pulled away in the election challenge um, and stood up uh, and did not go down the road that Ted Cruz and uh, Josh Hawley did. Uh, that, you know, created waves. But he has somehow still been in the batch of, of close ties to Trump. So it is possible um I do think January 6th did change some things, and whether that's independents or Republicans who may have voted for Biden this time or, um, you know, Republicans who like the policies, I think January 6th changed a lot. Yeah, a couple of things that are happening. There's a huge push nationwide to get uh, to get kids back in school. Are your, are your kids in school? Yes, uh, hybrid so far. It's, you know, week on, week off. They do get tested, but they're in private school. So here's what uh, Anthony Fauci suddenly has become Mr. Politician when he had no problem taking shots uh, by answering questions that he disagreed with Donald Trump on. Now, even though the vice president disagrees with the president, disagrees with Jen Psaki, he's still trying to straddle all lines. Here he is talking about teachers. The science says the kids belong in school and the teachers aren't any more dangerous in school than they are at Costco. Cut 18. Clearly, we want to make the vaccination of teachers a high priority. They are within the essential personnel in society, and we want that priority to be high. What I have said, and I'll say it again today, it should not be a sine qua non. In other words, you cannot go into the school unless you're vaccinated. We're not saying that. She, he went on to not answer questions about uh, if you're pregnant or want to get pregnant, should you take it? Should kids take it? He hasn't, he hasn't answered that. And he didn't answer if seniors, if seniors, once they get their two shots, can they go hang out with their grandkids? I mean, these are big questions. Why doesn't he just answer them and tell people the risk rather than just straddle every single question he's asked, leaving people more uh. confused when he's done? With all due respect to Dr. Fauci and his his tenure at uh, serving the country, I I think it's more confusing. Uh, each interview, uh, when they try to press him on specific things, I mean the the question about once you've got your two shots, the seniors, can they go see the kid, the grandson, granddaughter? I I don't fully get that. 
If yeah, it's 94, you know 95% effective. Should I let you tell it everyone children. hear it, Brett? Uh, Brett, here's Dana yeah. Bash asking this question. Well, my parents have already gotten their second dose. They're fully vaccinated. Does that mean it's okay for them to spend time with their grandchildren who obviously have not been vaccinated? What's your recommendation? You know, I, I'm not going to make a recommendation now except to say that these are things that we really do. I mean, literally every day, Dano. We look at that, we look at the data, we look at what's evolving about how many people are getting vaccinated, and there will be recommendations coming out. I don't want to be making a recommendation now on public TV. I would want to sit down with the team, take a look at that, and so, you will so, be seeing- Listen, I mean, uh, all I hear is a dial tone. What, just say, Brett, this is the way I'd answer it, and I've, I haven't put on a smock and taken blood from people or give them or, or a stethoscope in a long time. Right. So- I'm to say to people, there's a 99.6% chance, if you're a kid, of getting it and beating it. Number two is you have a 94% you've been vaccinated, and the vaccination is 94% effective. Though, just so you know, those are the risks. I think they're minimal if you look at the stats, but there is a little bit of risk. That's all we need. Rather than yeah, I'm not going it. to recommend anything, just tell us the numbers. Exactly. And that's what's so frustrating. You know, I think that – and I. I think that the the people who are saying, even after the two vaccinations, you're still in the long run for another year or two going to be wearing masks or you can't do X or you might have to do Y. All of that talk is just as bad as the anti-vaxxer talk yes. like from the beginning, because people would just say, well, forget it. Who cares? What you know, like what's the purpose if I go through all this stuff to get the two vaccinations and I still have to do X, Y, and Z. I, I think that there is a messaging problem that has to be addressed. I and mean, we've been with this virus for a long time, and there are still things we don't know. You know, remember, we thought we were going to get it on packages, and, and it was on the table for three days, and then suddenly it wasn't. And then you could get it through your eyes, but then you couldn't. And then, you know, it, it's Too just mess. back and forth. And... You know, I get that they're trying to figure it out, but it's been a long time. Yeah, and you, they just they just are not factoring it effectively. The psychological damage, especially for seniors, right? We're focusing on kids, and I've been doing that all show. But also for seniors, they must be, they look at themselves after a while. So you know, life slows down anyway when you get older. Thankfully, many people can retire, and now you've just took their family away. And if they're solo, and then they get the shots. Then you told them the light's at the end of the tunnel, and then you told them the side, that the tunnel's been shut. Why can't these scientists realize there's a psychological risk to that and just say it? Look, there's a little bit of a risk, but if you're a senior and you make that decision to see risk, or it's, uh, Fauci goes, you know, I've elected not to, but a lot of my friends are. And which is probably, I just probably said something exact. He says he elected not to see his grandkids. I doubt it, but that's what he said. So other people, I'm telling you right now, uh, people should, if you got double vaccinated, it's better than polio. It's better than tuberculosis. This is a more effective shot than anything we've gotten to this point. Listen, I mean, people are going around this thing to get family get togethers. Some of them are testing, you know, it's, it's getting more prevalent to find tests and do it cheaper. And so they get a family get together and everybody gets tested beforehand. Is that 100 percent? No, but it's some level of security, and that way you see your family. I just think that there has to be 
some guidance that gets us through not only the school stuff, but the interaction stuff. And um, it seems like it's slow going. Right. It, it was very easy to say Trump was the problem. And now that you can't, and you saw, and you guys covered it great, you saw Jen Psaki be different from the vice president than the president in a day. And then he goes and does a town hall and says, yeah, that was miscommunication. Really? Did someone want to tell her? Because she keeps saying it. Yeah. And the messaging from the White House press briefing. Uh, yeah. Different than the, what, what the president's saying. So, listen, it, on something like this that's affecting the whole country, you have to have – you know, like set talking points. You have to have, like, what's the common sense yeah. denominator? Otherwise, people are going to get so frustrated that they're not going to go get the vaccine. And you don't want that. Two of the most overrated politicians through all this, Governor Cuomo and Anthony Fauci. And I'm sure some people are, are fans of them, but I don't think not people who look for answers and effectiveness. Um, who do you have on tonight as a panelist? Have you named them or is this the first time? <laughs> we do know. I'm going to have Britt Hume on the panel, uh, Mo Aliti and Molly Hemingway. And um, we've got a. we'll probably be taking the President Biden um, remarks about the 500,000 uh, deaths, marking that. And yeah. then uh, but we've got a lot to jam in the show uh, about policy and uh, Merrick Garland, the interesting uh, testimony up on Capitol Hill. Yeah, absolutely. And they're doing the 500,000 deaths. Of course, this is really sad, but it also helps you sell one point nine trillion. So you got to say that how bad it is. You don't want to talk about the 76% decrease since September. Uh, uh, we will. Brett Baer, thanks so much. All right, see you, You got it. Uh, we're going to come back and wrap things up and take some of your calls. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Does President Biden still believe that Andrew Cuomo is the gold standard, represents the gold standard on leadership during this pandemic? Just a yes or no. Does well, he John, the, the, the president, the, pre, the president, uh, well, it doesn't always have to be a yes or no answer, John. I think the president is focused on his goal, his objectives as president of the United States. He's going to continue to work with Governor Cuomo, just like he'll continue to work with governors across the country. And uh, I'm not here to give new labels or names uh, from the all president. All right, I'm all here. right. I can't hear it. Obviously, she doesn't want to answer the question. It's embarrassing because gold standard, number one in deaths, fantastic. Calling the European virus, how irresponsible. Blaming the president nonstop when he gave you everything you wanted including ventilators and not being ready when it actually hit, but blaming the White House for everything. So now that there's no scrutiny on Trump, uh, it doesn't look like Governor Cuomo's reacting well to the spotlight. Uh, let's, go to, uh, let's go to Larry, listen on WTRC in South Bend, Indiana. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good. What's on your mind, Larry? Let's talk about immigration, shall we? Disaster. Disaster. One thing that nobody brings up is how much it costs the taxpayer for each one of those people that come in here. School, health care. Yeah, well, figures I've seen cost each taxpayer about seven grand. You know, when we got homeless veterans and we got a pandemic, we got, you know, millions of people out of work. Don't right, we pay right, for Let me the, ask you something. This is not a policy. This is anti-American. This is yes, putting, is. This, is, this, is, this is something that's not in anybody listening right now. I don't care if you're very left or very right. This, none of this is in your interest. We, we are a nation of immigrants, legal immigrants. Right. And part of that is being acclimated to our system by learning to read and write so that you can conduct business on a daily basis. 
you know, you go to Mexico, they don't teach English. You have to speak Spanish. Well, yeah, I mean... I just want you to I, if you want to if you want a policy where you admit more refugees, that's a policy difference. But you want to allow illegal immigrants to come in and blow up the remain in Mexico policy? That's just against America's interests. That's that that's not politics. That is against America's interests. Go to BrianKillmeShow.com. Listen to this show anytime, anywhere. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.